0: all right well let's pray gracious god we are grateful for this time in your word we ask for the help of your holy spirit so that this might be edifying to your people and glorifying to your name. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: So I met Yolando Hinton 11 years ago during what was the hardest season of my ministry to date. We were two of 10 pastors who were part of a 10 church cohort. Um, We were all serving congregations that were urgently seeking transformation. All of our churches were at the change or die point. And we were all there seeking to learn the essential truth of why our churches were dying and how we had been unfaithful and what we needed to change. And so the pastors were called together for one full day, once a month, um, to learn uh, um, these, the answer to these questions. And we'd sit there for eight hours and everything we heard was hard to hear. Um, there's a saying that the truth will set you free. And then there's a saying about that saying, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. And I was so challenged and triggered by everything we were learning. And so I was looking for people to process with everything that we were learning. And honestly, um, you can label that processing, but what I really wanted to do was complain and vent and rant. And so when I learned that Yolanda was serving a church that was just around the corner from my home, I asked him if he wanted to meet and take a run together so we could keep processing everything that we were learning.
0: Well, unlike Kate, I was not looking for someone to process with. I'm an introvert, I just wanted to go to the meetings and go home. When the meeting facilitators told us to divide into small groups for sharing, everything within me screamed, no! So, Kate asked me to run and um, that turned into a weekly meeting at Starbucks. At first we would run and then finish the run at Starbucks and have some coffee, and somehow we started drinking coffee before and after the run. But in our time together, we talk about the joys and struggles of church transformation. That is the leadership required of us to help churches become multi-ethnic, outwardly focused, disciple-making communities of Jesus. We talk about the astonishing things God is doing in the church, in the world, and in us, both as pastors and as disciples of Jesus. One of the things I've appreciated about our time is that we both believe that Jesus is at work. If you just look around, you'll be astonished by it. We are both filled with gratitude and joy for the privilege of serving as pastors. When we get together, even during those weeks and seasons in which ministry is painful and stressful, we are mindful of the joy and privilege of our calling. We also, of course, talk a lot about preaching. Because we love it. We're always seeking to get better at it. And so we talk through our sermons. We debrief sermons preached. We wrestle with the interpretation of Scripture. And full disclosure to the folks of Derrida Church, I steal a lot of ideas from Kate. She's always, <laughs> when I tell her when I tell her I'm stealing her ideas, she's always very gracious to say, well, it came from Jesus, so you're not really stealing it. It's hard for me to believe that we have been doing this for 11 years. In that time, I've gotten married, had a child. Kate has had her third child that I had the privilege of baptizing. For 11 years, we have had this holy habit of meeting together as friends in ministry. A podcast has even grown out of our time together. It's called Two Pastors Take a Walk. And make a podcast and it it emerged simply out of our weekly conversations in which we ask what is astonishing you this week what are you thinking about and what are you preaching for 11 years we've kept this holy habit of meeting together we believe the holy spirit has used it to grow us the bible says that iron sharpens iron and we've certainly experienced that to be true
1: and you might be thinking right about now that's nice for you too but what does this have to do with me what does this have to do with jesus why are you talking about this on a sunday morning i thought that this was supposed to be a sermon
0: the answer is psalm 133 the first verse of that psalm says how very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. When when Kate and I walk into Starbucks, some people see two pastors. Others might see two coffee drinkers or two people preparing for a run. Few people, however, see two members of a family. We are kindred, we are brother and sister, In Jesus Christ. We believe our friendship is not a random circumstance. We believe our friendship is a natural characteristic of life in the kingdom of God. We believe one manifestation of the kingdom is people created in the image of God living in the joy of kinship. And we label the joy of kinship. Friendship. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. The psalm says that it is very good. I mean, this is the same word, the same Hebrew word used in the book of Genesis. In the beginning, when God created the world, it was very good. Friendship in the body of Christ reveals the The fingerprints of God's glorious handiwork. It is very good. The psalm also says that it's pleasant. Friendship not only brings joy into our lives, I believe, we believe, it pleases the heart of God. This psalm offers us two images to help us celebrate the blessing of kinship. Verse two says that it's like the precious oil on the head running down upon the beard. Listen, before I studied this psalm, if Kate had described our friendship as an oily beard, I'd have been a little bit insulted because frankly, oily beards are gross. Dry
1: beards are gross. (laughs) (laughs)
0: But the psalm is referring to the anointing ceremony of the high priest. A generous portion of sweet-smelling oil was poured on the high priest's head, symbolizing the presence of the Holy Spirit. The second image is in verse 3. It says that kinship is like the dew of Hermon. Mount Hermon is known for this heavy dew that falls on it. Even in dry seasons, there is life and growth and fruitfulness. And so this psalm that we're looking at today proclaims to us that friendships in the body of Christ are life-giving. They are instrumental in our spiritual growth and fruitfulness by the power of the Holy Spirit.
1: And as always, the last line holds the deepest truth. The things we say last are always the most important. So look at the last line of the psalm with me. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. For there, from that place, the holy mountain, the place of anointing, the 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 state of living together in joyful unity of brothers and sisters. There, God bestows, and the actual Hebrew word is commands, his blessing. And what is that blessing? The psalm says it's life forevermore. And what's another way of saying life forevermore? Salvation. Mm -hmm. So where do we find salvation? With God, of course, in the kingdom of God, Of course. But the psalm is saying we also find it in joyful friendship, community with our brothers and our sisters. It's not the way we Americans have have, have imagined salvation for so long. that Salvation is what happens when Jesus and I climb up on our horse and ride off just the two of us into the sunset. What the scripture is proclaiming is that we experience the fullness of God's blessing and God's presence and even salvation itself in the place where we enjoy unity with our brothers and sisters in the good and pleasant state, the wonderful, beautiful state of friendship with brothers and sisters. Don't miss how radical the last line of this psalm is. It is proclaiming that friendship is an essential element of salvation itself.
0: So this isn't a nice-to-have add-on blessing, like an upgrade on a car. This is a matter of the core mission of the church, Friends, if we devalue friendship, we reduce the people in our neighborhoods to if they want to come to our church, they can. If making and deepening friendships isn't important to us as the church, then we will very easily slip into using people. We will use them to grow our church or to keep our church going. And let me tell you what you already know. People are not objects. They are potential friends, and according to the psalm, an essential part of our salvation. And so if you feel an impulse to ask someone to run or walk or have coffee, do it. If you're an introvert, And you just want to take care of business and go home. Be open. Be open to God bringing people into your life.
1: Looking back on a season where I met Yolando, and and he's not the only great friend I gained in that season. But at the time, I understood those friendships kind of as consolation prizes. Like God was saying to me, hey, you've been called to this really great, really hard ministry, and you're probably gonna fail, and everybody thinks you're a loser, but here, here are some friends who will help you bear it. But now, all these years later, I see that these friendships were not just God throwing me a bone. Mm. God has been so wonderfully, miraculously faithful to me and to our church far more than we ever could have asked or imagined, we have experienced resurrection and rebirth and new life. I've experienced it individually and we've experienced it together as a community. And now with the benefit of hindsight, I see that this friendship, it wasn't just decoration. Mm. It felt like a gift, but it was an essential tool because of our friendship, I've grown into a fuller version of myself. I've grown closer to the full stature of Christ, which is where the Holy Spirit is trying to grow all of us. Through this friendship and through other friendships, I've gained wisdom that I never could have discerned for myself. I've gained compassion when I couldn't give compassion to myself, and so much joy. And joy is the strength we need for this journey. So what I know now is that friendships are part of the way of Jesus. Friendships are how God brings us alive in Christ. That's when, that's why when Jesus was incarnate on earth, he didn't just do 12 one-on-one tutorials. He gathered 12 people together in a cohort of friendship and they did life together when i was writing this part of the sermon i started to write friendships are more than recreation and then i thought hang on wait a minute that's exactly what friendships are friendships are recreation Mm, recreation oh good through friendships in general and through my friendship with yolando in particular i'm a better preacher, and believe me, people at the Grove, on those weeks when it's just not all that, it's because, probably because it was one of those weeks that Yolando and I couldn't get together um, to talk through our sermons and walk together. Because of this friendship, I'm a better preacher, I'm a better teacher, I'm a better pastor, I'm a better leader, I'm a better disciple, and I'm a better friend. And what we want you all to understand is what we really believe is true. This isn't just unique to Yolando and I. We believe that it is the universal witness of scripture, and it is true for all of us. And I've long believed that healthy and holy churches are friendship factories. And honestly, if the church isn't growing friendships, then that lack of friendship is like a canary in the coal mine. Some essential element of the culture of the kingdom of God is just missing. Wow.
0: Any friendship is a good thing, and we're grateful for them all. But friendships in the body of Christ are special in two ways. The first is cross-ethnicity. Friendships in the body of Christ cross ethnic divisions and barriers. These holy friendships have a deep unity in God, from God, not a superficial unity of common social status, background, politics, or life experience. The church, the church is the place to talk about, experience, And deepen cross ethnic friendships. I'm sure you've heard the stats saying that American adults have very few friends. Those same stats tell us that American adults have almost no friends outside of their ethnic group. And I can't help but think of the TV show from the 90s called Friends. And in that show, you had six white, young adults living in New York City, arguably the most multi-ethnic city in the world. And for most of the show's run, they had no cross-ethnic friendships. The church must be different. And you'll notice today that I am intentionally using multi-ethnic instead of multi-racial. Most of the time when we say race, we're using a human construct, something made up to characterize people around physical differences that we can see, right? Skin color, hair texture, facial features. This is what we usually mean by race. But the Bible, the Bible does not talk about race that way. When the Bible speaks of race, it's referring to all people the human race is the only race because we're all made in the image of god now having said that let me be very clear just because race isn't real racism is systemic discrimination based on these false constructs that is real and we must fight it instead of the word race To refer to our differences, the Bible uses the word nations from the Greek word ethnos. So the Grove and Derrida churches are seeking to be communities of multi-ethnic friendships in Jesus. And listen, you already know this is so needed in our country right now. And at Derrida Church, we often say that the nation won't get it right until the church gets it right. Now, let me also say this here is what I am not saying. I am not saying that all we need to do is be nice, hold hands and start singing Ebony and Ivory, live together in perfect harmony, and all of our problems, all the injustice, all the tension in our country will go away. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is multi-ethnic friendships provide the foundation to do the work of justice and reconciliation like a lot of people I've been watching the news a lot lately and seeing the protests in cities around the country and I am fascinated by the number of white people I see in these protests but even more I'm fascinated when a reporter stops a white person and asks them a question about why they are protesting and I'm astonished by the number of times they reference a relationship with a black or brown person. I'm telling you today, friendships in the body of Christ are important because they cross ethnic divisions and barriers.
1: And the second way that friendships within the body of Christ have an opportunity to be unique and revelatory to the watching world is that In the body of Christ, we can have multi gender cross gender friendships, contrary to the teaching of our culture and that great cinematic theologian Rob Reiner. Men and women can and must be friends in the kingdom of God. Our culture teaches us that men and women have natural enmity and nothing in common, that men Just want to consume women or objectify them, that women are a threat or a trap for men. Far too long, instead of opposing these false ideologies, the church has put its own kind of holy flavoring on the poison. We've taught that there needs to be some kind of sacred hierarchy in the body of Christ, that men must maintain a holy superiority and a prudent distance, that they must be benign ontologically different overlords between over men, over women and children. But the Psalm proclaims that men and women are called to cultivate unity, to enjoy kinship. How very good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in unity. And our friendship bears witness Mm. to kinship in case you have not noticed, Yolanda was male, and I am female, and we see one another as human, created in the image of God. Our friendship bears out the truth that we believe is proclaimed in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. In Christ Jesus, there is no longer Jew or Greek Slave or free male or female for all are one in Christ Jesus. All of these seeds of enmity and division and structures that have been um that have been the brainchild of the enemy of our souls, Lucifer, the Son of Light, all of these structures are being dismantled, the dividing wall overcome in Jesus. That means that we can be friends as brothers and sister in Christ and the church should be leading the way for all humans in the recovery of kinship. The church should be a community where men and women can see each other as full humans. The church should be an anti-hierarchy when all of us practice mutual submission and delight in one another as we celebrate the unity and unity beauty and holiness of God. We are called together, men and women, to glorify God and grow in Christ in healthy and holy friendships.
0: So now we come to the critical part of the message. Now that we know all this, how shall we live?
1: And we're going to get really practical with you here. I am, as has been mentioned several times and is perhaps the understatement of the century, I am an extrovert. So it is no problem for me to meet someone and ask, like, hey, do you want to go have lunch or get a coffee or take a run together?
0: But not everyone is an extrovert. Thank the Lord.
1: <laughs> so rude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but introvert or extrovert, no matter what you're wiring, friendship, enjoying kinship is an essential and beautiful part of salvation life Jesus offers us.
1: So when I met Yolando, I wasn't really looking for a new friend, but we became friends because we were both going after the same thing together. We were both seeking the Lord for personal transformation so that we could lead our churches in renewal and new life. Specifically, we both shared this common vision of a healthy and holy, multi-ethnic church so that the church on earth would look like the church in heaven and so that that would bear a right and good witness to the watching world.
0: And today, in our two churches, we are going after something together. And we have opportunities to grow friendships even now. It's not enough for us to go to a multi-ethnic church. We individually have to desire and cultivate cross-ethnic friendships. How do you do this?
1: We know that everybody who is a part of Derida Church or The Grove, we know That you have a commitment to being part of a multi ethnic church. You have this vision too. And the way I know this is because Charlotte is lousy with churches. So if this vision weren't in you somehow, you'd be somewhere else, somewhere easier, somewhere more comfortable, somewhere more familiar. But you're here because God has also called you to this work. So we need you to know that your personal friendships are a part of that calling. It's not just where you choose to worship. It's also how you choose to cultivate your individual friendships. It's more than who you share a pew with. It's also who you share your life with. It's who you seek to share this beautiful, wonderful unity of kinship, who you seek to become friends with. If you want to go to a multi-ethnic church, You need to live a multi-ethnic life. And the key to that is friendships. Mm. And the great thing is you don't have to wait. The church you are a part of, whether it's the Grove or Derrida, there are already relationships there and a foundation that you can invest in to grow healthy and fully spiritual friendships. And here's how you do that.
0: When we invite you to be a part of a small group, say yes. When we invite you to a Zoom Bible study, say yes. When we invite you to do fellowship, teach Sunday school, work as a greeter, say yes. When you see a prayer concern in the bulletin or in an email, reach out. Send a card, a text, make a call, bring a meal. These things, I mean, they all have value in their own right, but they are more than that. They are soil in which friendships can grow. Being church together is a chance to be friends together. Don't wait until this pandemic is over. Grow friendships now.
1: And when someone new stumbles into our church, even if it's right now while we're virtual and you just notice that they're watching with you or they're on the live stream, we want to invite you to have some holy curiosity. Who is this person that God has led into God's church? Are the seeds of a vital and rich spiritual friendship here? Spoiler alert. They are. And then ask yourself, how can I cultivate this opportunity? You don't even have to be looking for friendship, church. God will seed your life with friendships. So be open to them. Grow them. Nurture them. Nourish them.
0: Well, here's my last word on this. I simply want to say that Jesus makes our kinship possible. We are friends in his name and by his power. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus, by his death and resurrection, has reconciled us to God and to one another. By way of the cross, Jesus has defeated all the powers and principalities that seek to divide and destroy. In the book of Revelation, I love that place where the Apostle John said, After this I looked, and before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and the Lamb. Friends, in the end, there will only be the multi-ethnic family of God unified around Jesus Christ.
1: And my last word is this, Jesus, on the night before he went to the cross, sat down at a table with his friends. And he said to them, I don't call you servants any longer because servants don't know what their master is doing, but I call you friends because you know what your Lord is doing. And we know what God is doing in our life together. Church, if Jesus calls us his friends, then how can we not call one another friends? If Jesus is our friend, then how can we not be friends with one another? Friendship is the coin of the realm of God. And we have been given incalculable treasure. So let's grab a hold of that blessing. Hallelujah. Amen.
0: Amen.